Coming to you from Helping Our Music Evolve in Nashville, this is the Quinn Spin. Hey now! And welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, one and all, to a brand new edition of... The Quinn Spin. I'm your host, The Quinn. We're back here at Helping Our Music Evolve in East Nashville, recording yet another delightful episode. You just heard Revel 9's All I've Become. That has been our opening theme song here since the great year of 2014 and will be for the foreseeable future as well. I'm very excited today. We have a very special guest joining us, Mr. Ben Danaher, Texas-born, Nashville-based. He's about to head out on tour as of this recording, and he uh, decided to stop by the studio to join us here today on the show. Ben, thank you so much. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So let's get right to it then. Every guest of the show gets asked these three standard questions. You can answer them however you want. They are, who are you? What do you do? And why on earth would you want to come on the Quinn Spin? (laughs) Well, my name is Ben Danaher. I'm a singer-songwriter, which is loosely termed. Um, And then I I wanted to come on the show because I've heard about it for decades. Decades? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I was uh, going to say, I don't know if I've heard about it for decades. <laughs> <laughs> the legendary esteemed yeah. Queen Spin. <laughs> I dream about this show. Yeah, right? right? Uh, yeah. Me, me too. Uh, they're more nightmares <laughs> than anything, but... <laughs> That's good. So, well, thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks um, for having me. You know, and so we start from the beginning here, you know, and... What I want to ask you is, how did it all st- start for you? You know, how did you get involved in music? What were kind of the people, places, experiences, and of mm-hmm. course the artists that led you to want to pursue this? Yeah, um, I grew up with a family that was really musical. My dad was a songwriter, um, so when I was growing up, you know, my poor mother was like through the ringer of like <laughs> trying to figure out how to pay bills with a, a broke songwriter mm-hmm. husband and. My dad had had taken out a loan and built a studio on the side of the house and like, and all of my brothers played. So we had everything from drums to bass to, um, all kinds of guitars. It was just in, in my face the, the whole time I was growing up. So it was, it was really hard to not touch that, you know? Um, and so as I was kind of getting older, um, my brother, my dad had like a family band. They would perform in town a lot. I wasn't ever old enough to play, but they tried to get me to play yeah. bass, which was not the most desirable instrument. Mm-hmm. Um, and so so I did, ended up not doing that, but when I got to be about like 17 or 18, I, I started picking up guitar and, mm-hmm. and writing songs because it was, it was pretty interesting to, to see everybody else's careers kind of moving. Mm-hmm. And so some of the artists that shaped your taste, uh-huh. let's talk about some of those and what they yeah. brought to you. Well, you know, around the house, we always had, my dad had a great vinyl collection of uh the Texas Troubadour guys like Jerry Jeff Walker and Ray Wiley Hubbard and um, Guy Clark and Rodney Crowell and mm-hmm. like you know the real songwriter songwriters mm-hmm. of of the world Towns Van Zant and so that was there and then um, you know uh, as I got older I started digging into different things um, my when I was in high school my my brother was playing guitar for a guy named Pat Green mm-hmm. in Texas who was like crushing it down there and um seeing that experience was like man these guys are rock stars and i want to do that and so i started getting into the texas country scene a little bit um Mm -hmm. touring around there then you know you you evolve from that i started like digging into deeper songs and then somehow ended up with a lot of motown influence like Mm -hmm. either through motown records or um through old ray charles records and 
Merle Haggard and stuff like that. So it, it just, it was kind of all over the map. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So all this stuff kind of coming into the pot and you definitely mm-hmm. hear a lot of that happening on still feel lucky. The most recent full length album yeah. for sure. Um, Nashville. Why mm-hmm. Nashville? What brought you here? I mean, everybody has their story, sure. right? So yeah, yeah. what made them decide to take the leap? So what was that like for you? Mm. Well, it was time. It was very clear for me at the mm-hmm. time. I, I was living in Austin playing probably 150 shows a year down there in Texas. And I had, it, you know, like Texas has its own culture and there's a, it, you, you can spend your entire career or life touring down there. Mm-hmm. And I had this moment where I was playing gigs and I was getting all these like really good support slots for some of the bigger artists that were doing good down there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you'd play for 3000 people and sell four records and you're like, this is not, yeah. connecting at all mm-hmm. and at the time I had an interest in becoming a better songwriter yeah um and there was a guy named Alan Shamblin who is from the town I grew up in of Huffman Texas mm-hmm. um who lives here now and he's he's a big hit songwriter he wrote I Can't Make You Love Me and The House That Built Me and like some some pretty big ones mm-hmm. and he kind of was you know shed light on the fact that all of all of my heroes had either lived in Nashville or were currently living in Nashville and not to say that Texas was bad or that I wasn't going to grow there. He just was like, man, it's, it's insane mm-hmm. in Nashville. Like you, you're going to, you're going to learn things that you didn't even mean to learn Yeah, just by being here, you mm-hmm. know? And so that was the first kind of like person that pushed me in that direction. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I had a, a girlfriend that broke up or I broke up with and uh, we had, we had flown up once mm-hmm. And, and when I came up here, it was like everybody just wanted to help. And yeah. so I, I fell in love with it pretty quick. I, I love all those points that you just made. You know, everybody does want to help mm-hmm. here, you know. And I found this, and I know I probably say this on almost every episode. I joke that you could probably have a drinking game of things that I keep saying on the episodes. <laughs> but, like, the camaraderie here, mm-hmm. the community here, the fact that, you know, if you're here to do good work for the right reasons, people will want to support you. Sure, yeah. That's here unlike any place I've ever seen, yeah. you know. And also, you know, wherever you're from, I find that there is – in most markets, sort of a cap that you reach, you kind of max out like, okay, I've kind of checked all the boxes here. Mm-hmm. What else is there? Mm-hmm. I think that happens even in Nashville. You know, you can play writer's rounds around town, but eventually you do have to hit the road and you have to get yeah. out and like, you have to build that following outside. You have to start to pulse that out, right? Mm-hmm. I also think too, like, connection with the audience is way easier here because it's so embedded in the culture here. Mm-hmm. People go out, to find music in Nashville in a place unlike any other place I think in the country sure. that I've experienced you know it's it's just it's music city for a reason you know yeah. and people you know you go to a writers round and the room is dead silent you know unless sometimes at a hotel you get a bunch of yeah. tourists from out of town they don't yeah. really they're not really initiated to the culture yet and they're the ones talking in the corner but mm-hmm. for the most part right. like people do seek it out and appreciate it and will then seek you out you know Mm -hmm. whether it's to buy an album or a t-shirt or just to find you online and start following what you're doing sure you know yeah i I noticed that like you play the bluebird or something it's mm -hmm. it's like that like you're almost like a zoo animal Mm -hmm. at that point because people they showed up to nashville they got they waited in line for three hours to get into the bluebird Mm -hmm. and i always feel bad for them because they're expecting like the next luke bryan song and here's the 
gut-wrenching song about my feelings or somebody in my family dying mm -hmm. they're, they're on vacation you can just watch their face change from yeah. like having fun to like oh man i wasn't ready to feel yeah stuff but but they're lifers after that you mm -hmm. know like you, like you said they do look you up and they stay with you um and yeah it, it is unlike most places here mm -hmm. like uh even in texas like somebody was like man you're gonna miss playing in texas because everybody pays attention or cares about it mm -hmm. and i found it to be a little different here like it, just because it was people i think they cared more about the songs here mm -hmm. um I, I started bartending at a club called third and lindsley when i moved here and chris stapleton was playing great place yeah it was it was like uh he was i think he had like a hundred people Mm -hmm. show up it was like seven years ago mm -hmm. and i remember being like if this guy can't do it we're screwed yeah he, he, and that was before <laughs> he got big then. right yeah yeah, yeah 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 um and so yeah so like i i've had pretty good luck at, at being able to get people's attention yeah in nashville um yeah it's different everywhere but this is a pretty concentrated Yes, yeah. you know. And I feel like from the outside, from the consumer standpoint, like once you come here and you experience the writer's rounds, you experience uh -huh. like, wow, there's original music happening everywhere. Sure. You know, I mean, you have your cover stuff on Broadway mm -hmm. and that, that kind of thing. But like people come out of this city going back to wherever they live with a greater appreciation for what's actually happening here. Yeah. I think, I think that's what makes it so unique. Yeah. For sure. Definitely. For sure. So what's one thing you wish you knew before you came here? Well... That's a hard one because I think those those type of things when you get here, you go through the hard knocks mm -hmm. of, of of stuff, and you don't know what you want. You don't know what you want or right. what you what you need to do until you get burned by something. You know, mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I wish I had more of a. I I I almost wish I would have started touring, and and um, had more confidence in my mm -hmm. songs before I moved up here. But I think you have to go through the rejection period and mm -hmm. like all of that before you can put your foot down and be like, no, like these are good songs. I don't care if they work in your format or not. Mm -hmm. Like, cause you get told no so much yeah. in this business that mm -hmm. like you start to take it personal. And when it, it's really easy to take a subjective opinion personally. Yes. Um, and what I've experienced since then being on the road is that I can take those same songs mm -hmm. like without any type of adaptation to them mm -hmm. and play them in a in a concert environment and get an insane reaction out of them. Yeah, that I never would have known was there had I listened to whatever the gatekeeper was that told me this is not. This is like I had one guy listen to this song, "My Father's Blood," that's on this record, mm -hmm. and his first comment was, "It's too long." I'm like, dude, it's not a radio song. Yeah, like, it was never to meant to be on the radio. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was just like that was his opinion, and mm -hmm. that's fine. Mm -hmm. But had I listened to that and not ever played that, then the thousands of people that have told me that that song meant something to them would have yeah. never happened. Yeah. You know, and like right. that's it's really hard to do whenever you're. Mm -hmm before you hit the road. <laughs> yeah. I, I think the rejection is important too, because it shows you what you're made of, sure. you know, it tests your metal a bit. And I, I don't know what it was like in Austin, but most people I've talked to from most places in the country come from a much smaller market where, you know, they're great at what they do just because they're doing it. You know, yeah. like there's really no measuring stick, sure, yeah, yeah. you know, but you come here and like, Oh wow. The industry's here. No yeah. matter what you do in the industry, it's like, how, then you really get to see, 
how you are at your craft and how that measures up, you know, with your contemporaries, not in a competitive oh, yeah. sense, but in a, how do I, what's the gap I need to close? Yeah. You know, how do I get to where they are? Totally. You know? Yeah. I, I noticed that a lot. Like when I was living in Texas, I, I knew the lay of the land. I knew mm-hmm. who everybody was yeah. and how far away I was from everybody. But then you get here and even like listening to music, like you can put like, Hey, have you heard this song? And you're mm-hmm. like with another songwriter maybe. And, um, you show them your favorite song and they're like, oh, but have you, it's like, they're even in tune with a different level of like, mm-hmm. Hey, check this out. And yeah. It's like a song that cuts you even deeper. And you're like, man, I need to like, there's so much I need to like uncover. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And those lessons are available to you here. You daily. Know, we're, we're, <laughs> we had daily, wherever yeah. you want them. I mean, yeah. even like on the content end of things, like, Oh yeah. I can tell you coming from Pennsylvania, like everyone's still just pushing Facebook, you know, oh, yeah. pushing their stuff, yeah. stuff on Facebook. It's like, Instagram's a place sure. now. Now, like people in other markets are waking up to Instagram, but that's yeah. been a major market thing. You know, oh, realizing that. I noticed that on this tour, I did 120 shows with Aaron Lewis. Mm-hmm. And granted, his fan base is a little older. Yeah. Um, he's comes from the rock world in the Stained, 90s. Yeah. Yeah. And so what I noticed was the growth on Facebook was almost double what mm-hmm. Instagram was. Yeah. And it, it, it's a, it's like a weird, like mind game for you. Cause you want, you want to see Instagram grow. Cause mm-hmm. that's what you interact with. Cause yeah. that's your generation. Mm-hmm. And you don't really think about Facebook. Facebook just kind of moves while you're not looking, Yeah, you know? Right. So it's, it was hard for me to like wrap my head around, like mm-hmm. if we were doing good or not. Yeah. But, yeah. I, it's a generational thing too. I mean, yeah. Facebook's definitely an older demographic. Yeah. I oh, think yeah. the people who came into Instagram right now, you know, who came into it in the beginning were in college or mm-hmm. just out of college, maybe even in high school. And now they're moving into that 25 to 34 mm-hmm. and now they're able to make more purchasing decisions. They're mm-hmm. able to mm-hmm. do more with their money, you know? student loans be damned right <laughs> you know it may be you know depending how how deep in you know how deep down the well they went like me but <laughs> yeah it's just it, it's a generational thing and i think it's also just kind of like an urban versus rural thing you know people in urban areas i think are more in tune with the cutting edge technology like tiktok's becoming this oh, thing yeah. now that i still haven't gotten into sure, not because yeah. i'm resisting it just because i don't have time to try right. to understand it but right like, yeah <laughs> Yeah, it's it's this it's this interesting shift, and you learn how that all kind of plays into the industry here. You yeah. know how the industry is promoting itself versus how everyone's band in other parts of the country, mm-hmm. you know, is still doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's really it gives you an advanced crash course on like, okay, this is what's actually current. Sure, you know, and in songwriting trends too. You know, you learn what the writers are doing here in town, what the true tastemakers are actually creating, right? And you get to be a part of that. A lot. Oh yeah, yeah. The way I, I look at it is you get to see behind the curtain mm-hmm. of the whole show, yeah. you know, and and Nashville gives you access to all of those people. Mm-hmm. Like whether they're the, like, it's almost like everybody will take a meeting with you. Yeah. They'll help you until they actually have to pay you, mm-hmm. which is like, <laughs> which I, is what, kind of messed up. What, what I experienced, what I get is that there's a bottom line behind everything. Right. But there's people that are in place like PROs. It's like they go from one job to the next. One day they're working at, um, CSAC or ASCAP or BMI. Mm-hmm. Next thing you know, they're managing some artist or they're the head of a publishing company. Or mm-hmm. it's that stuff happens so much that it's just good to be here mm-hmm. because you can you can have a meeting and be like, hey, like before I made this record, um, 
I finished it and I had all the songs on a SoundCloud page and I just took every meeting I could take and I mm-hmm. sat down with them in the office and we hit play mm-hmm. in front of me and I just listened to let them listen to however many songs they wanted to listen to and I said, what would you do if you were me? Mm-hmm. And just took everybody's advice in. Yeah. And it, it was a great resource to have. Oh, absolutely. You know, some of those conversations really informs your direction. Mm-hmm. You know, it helps you be able to go and do the thing with more confidence, mm-hmm. with you know, more information with, you know, just more education as far as, you know, okay, like this is kind of what I need to tweak. This is what I need to do to take these songs to the next level, to take uh-huh. my platform to the next level. Yeah. You know, the sum, the sum of all that information really does inform your fu- future path, you know, and it's little by little, you know, mm-hmm. it's these little bits, these little bits from each of these conversations that, you know, in the long run, it does add up. You sure. know, I found that, it, you know, certainly you know, doing the show and, you know, turning it into a blog, like there have been so many lessons along the way, some harder than others, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, where, but I'm glad for all of them, you know, whether or not, you know, they were good in that moment, like it taught me something, Sure. you know, and I know as creative people, we're all going through that, you know, we all have those major victories, minor victories, and then major and minor defeats sometimes too, or things that feel like them, but it is that some of all parts that makes us better in the end. Sure. It's very much like playing a game of golf. It's yeah. Like, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> a couple mm-hmm. good strokes, you feel really good. Yeah. And then you're in the bunker. And yep. you're like, man. Mm-hmm. And you just got to find a way to level it back out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good analogy. Nobody's, nobody's ever put it to me like that before. Yeah. It's, it's a weird business. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> but you know what? I mean, it's a weird business for outside the box thinkers. You know, sure. the more outside the box you are, and the more willing you are to adapt the better off you'll be in the long run. Yeah. 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 The more sure. you can take that information and then adjust adjustments, a huge thing. Yeah, for sure. So I want to talk about still feel lucky. The okay. most recent full length album. Now, a lot of personal stuff went into this. You lost your father and brother, mm-hmm. uh, in pretty quick succession. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, as somebody who's lost a close relative, I lost my mother a few years ago, unexpectedly. Oh, man, sorry to hear that. And yeah, you know, she was my best friend. Sure. You know, she was absolutely like the most influential person in my life. You know, like you, you have to figure out what to do with that pain, you know? Uh-huh. And what it comes down to, I think for us as people is you can either let it rule you mm-hmm. and let it destroy you. And, you know, then you kind of get into some self-destructive things from there, or you can use that pain. You know, and you can use that pain to inspire your art, to inspire the way you live your life. Now, it inspired this album for you. And I want to give mm-hmm. you a chance to talk about the perspective that you found mm-hmm. from those events and also through this process of mm-hmm. creating and putting out Still Feel Lucky. Yeah. I mean, by the time I got to recording that album, um, I was I was kind of like, that's about four years worth of songs um, from being in Nashville. Yeah. Um, and so I had a lot of, of stuff to pick from. Um, it was, it was a process of, of writing. Um, when you, when I moved here, I thought that you had to write radio friendly songs and mm-hmm. I was gunning for like a publishing deal. So I was getting a lot of feedback from people about the songs being too slow or too sad. Mm-hmm. Um, truth being, I didn't have, a whole lot of things that were really happy or really fast going on in my life. You right. Know? Um, and so what I noticed about it in the moment was that some of these co-writes, it almost was like freaking people out. Cause you get in there and 
this is the first time I've talked about it to yeah. somebody, you know, mm-hmm. and you're like, you're uncovering like new territory. And so it was very vulnerable, but, um, it wasn't always the right move, you know, like I probably would have been better off writing a, a dance song or something, yeah. but like in some of those rights, mm-hmm. but the ones that, that we did connect with, they really, like, they really resonate with people. Mm-hmm. I feel like, um, on this tour with Aaron, what I notice is a lot of the people that experience similar things will come up and they're crying after the show at the merch table mm-hmm. and they they give you information about their loss and it's a weird responsibility to like to think you know like I, I'm not qualified to like counsel this person right but I'm flattered that they connected with it um, mm-hmm. and I'm glad that it helped them but like you, you I personally didn't think that wasn't the goal when you write it you write it because you have to like yeah you you need to get this stuff out and uh and put it on tape and it's a tricky thing because like for me it, art is so subjective and like when you make something so personal like that it gets put out and and you we're in such a fast-paced um attention span kind mm-hmm. of like moment in mm-hmm. our in our society that like you it can be forgotten so fast yeah. and i was i remember being in therapy like just feeling like i wasn't good enough because this stuff that had happened wasn't relevant anymore. And what am I going to say after this? Right. You know, like, um, it was tricky. Um, the stuff that happened with my brother, my brother was murdered and it was a gun violence case. And so a lot of that was in the public. It was, um, uh, all over all the news channels. We were on 2020 and all kinds of stuff. Mm -hmm. And, and so that was, you know, it was weird. It was weird for like, there was this expectation of like, how you grieve Mm because everybody saw it happen. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. um, I think, um, it was what you were talking about earlier about using it as, or using it, um, in a positive way or, or having it like control you. Um, I think I spent so long with that grief. Like it was almost like a Mm sideshow or like some kind of like weird, meal ticket Mm -hmm. for me to be like hey look at this did you know that this happened to me right um whereas like i don't know it just i feel like there's probably more productive ways um to to cope but um i finally you know got to a place where uh it you know you realize that this stuff happens in its life Mm -hmm. and like you can either keep staying there or try to do something else you know absolutely yeah i think that's a very good point you know you you do have to at some point pick up the pieces Mm -hmm. you know you have to move forward and you have to realize that you know you'll never forget that person and what they meant to you and what they still mean to you and their influence in your life but life does go on and now it's about finding you know what what is what is the future going to look like what is my Mm -hmm. life going to look like going forward how am i going to Use everything that's led me here, all of my experiences, good, bad, or ugly, and how am I going to be the person that I want to be, that I need to be from those things, mm-hmm. you know? And it's something I think, you know, as somebody who's, you know, gone through loss, it's something that you really have to make a conscious decision every day, especially oh, yeah. in those early stages. Mm-hmm. You know, I can tell you, I was just, I was numb for a while. Like, mm-hmm. I kind of just, like, pushed it back and, like, just kept busy kept busy kept busy started a music blog for an outlet you know <laughs> that yeah. kind of thing but then like you do come back around and deal with it and you do oh, yeah. you know you have to figure out 
how you're going to process that while still moving forward. Yeah. You know, and it's something that you don't have all the answers right away. I mean, it could take years and years and years to even feel like you've begun that process. Yeah. I still feel like I'm like at ground zero a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, and, you know, for a long time I drank, like I, I mm-hmm. quit drinking about four years ago mm-hmm. and that was an interesting thing. Cause like you don't realize I wasn't like drinking every day, but like just having that constantly in your kind of bloodstream or your serotonin or whatever, mm-hmm. like you're not coping the way you thought you were. Right. And whenever you let it go, like when I, like the first year, it's like you feel good for a second, but then it's like you take everything head on. You're like, mm-hmm. Oh my God. You know, yeah. like it's, it's unbelievable. Um, yeah. but I mean, that's the thing is like, there's no hiding from it then. You yeah. Know? There's yeah. no hiding behind a vice or anything. It's like, I'm going to confront this, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm going to confront all the parts about it. You know, I think, you know, from experiences I, that I've had, you know, with people going through addiction, it's the same thing. Sure. It's so uncomfortable to go out and face, uh-huh. you know, your truth, you, you know, and all the ugly parts yeah. of it yeah. that, it could be the scariest thing you ever do, but it also can be the most worthwhile thing you ever do. Sure. You know, it can give you new power and can really propel you forward. Yeah. I think I, what I was going to say about that was, you, you know, like when you get numb like that, it, you don't you don't experience the acuteness of like a loss like that. Right. And for me, what I realized is like I would get in these relationships mm-hmm. and then it could be like two months that I yeah. dated this girl and she rejected me. And all of a sudden it's cut open and you're like, don't get out of bed for a week. Yeah. And, and I remember my sister being like, we just went through two trials, mm-hmm. like tele televised trials and you were fine. Mm-hmm. I don't understand why this girl had so much effect on you. And it, it just was, I think it just like, it cut it open, you know? Yeah. And I didn't know that it was there until that happened. Yeah. Um, which is scary. Yeah. And that, you know? that I mean that, is something that I think we all come to experience at one point or another, you know, something that can seem completely unrelated Mm -hmm. actually does tie back to a trauma, Mm -hmm. you know, that we haven't fully processed some piece of it. Oh yeah. You know, and I think it's really important for us all, you know, to take that time and process it for ourselves, you know, take time alone, you know, to kind of work through it, kind of work through the trauma of it all work through the, the ways it has kind of affected and shaped our lives. Mm-hmm. And from there, you know, learn to love ourselves more as cliche as that sounds, sure. you know, yeah. really learn to appreciate where you've come and who you are and focus on being that person for yourself. Mm-hmm. And then you can spread that love wherever you want to spread that love. But it's just one of those things where, you know, after a trauma, repeated traumas, sometimes you just need time to heal. Mm-hmm. You need time to just process and figure it out. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so it's uh, definitely, definitely somewhere I've been the past few years too. Yeah. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, I feel for you, man. It's, yeah. it's tough. It's yeah. You know, but it, it is life as you yeah. said, you know, and it does go on and you just, you know, you got to find a way. Yeah. There's a hard balance between that thought mm-hmm. of, of not get letting yourself off the hook mm-hmm. and, and then feeling like you got to pick it up and move on. Yeah. Like I, I, that, I struggle with that. Cause like I, forever I was like, this is me. This is, this is like my life. It's this tragedy. Mm-hmm. And then I moved into this house in East Nashville behind a funeral home. And I saw the smokestack in the crematorium going every day. And you're like, Oh, somebody dies every day, mm-hmm. you know? And it, it just, it, and then you, you 
don't process things and then somebody reminds you like, mm-hmm. yeah, what you went through is really insanely tough and that was not normal, you yeah. know? And like, it's, it's, it kind of opens it back up. Ping pong. reminds you of like yeah. something particularly hard you went through in your life. Sure. It just kind of opens it back up for you in a way. Yeah. And it is a balance you have to strike, you yeah, know? Because yeah. on one hand, you don't want to just be like, oh, well, life goes on and completely detach yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think that's a really healthy way to deal with it either. But at the same time, you can really stay in that rabbit hole and stay inside your head sure. on it. And that's its own war. Oh, yeah. For yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. So moving forward, though, I do want to brighten things up a little bit and talk mm-hmm. about some of the more recent releases as well. You released a series of singles in 2019. Yeah. I want to give you a chance to talk about some of those and also maybe give us a little hint at anything that might be coming up in sure. the future for you. Yeah, we released five um, in 2019, and they they basically came about because we were. I, I got put on this tour with Aaron, and it was uh, it started as three shows, and it was um, like an acoustic environment, and then he um, asked me to do like 30 more, and so that tour hit, and I was still touring, um, still feel lucky, and when when that finished up, uh, it was like April or so. Um, they were like, do you want to do 45 more shows? Mm-hmm. And me and Stephanie, who to check my manager was, we were, we got to make <laughs> more songs, you know? Oh, yeah. And so, um, we wanted to put them out while, th- while that momentum was going. Uh-huh. And, um, and so we went in with Michael Webb again and did, um, six tracks and it, it turned out pretty good. Um, I thought, and then. Uh, we started releasing them one by one, mm-hmm. and we're we're at like five now. I think we got one more to go, mm-hmm. and that'll be its own EP. Yep. Yeah. And then uh, in the new year, or we, since we're here now, yeah, uh, <laughs> we are here. We're in tw- new decade. <laughs> crazy. Yeah. Um, it's twenty twenty. Just a yeah, sidebar. Like I know this is supposed to be the future. <laughs> do you, yeah. Do you remember every every business had a twenty twenty goal? Uh huh. You know. Uh-huh. And I'm like, uh-huh. yeah, how are those looking now? Jetsons was based in twenty twenty. Was it really? Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, All the flying man. hovering things and wow, everything. Wow, that is space. that yeah. makes me feel so old. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. I remember watching the Jetsons, and now it's like, oh well, we're yeah. living in the Jetsons, except it's kind of just earth (laughs) crazy holy cow yeah but i mean your point about maintaining that momentum i think it's a very good one you know especially when you have an opportunity like that to be on the road with somebody like aaron lewis or somebody you know who's really been there and done it and has really made a name for themselves you know is to capitalize on all those eyes on you Mm -hmm. right and to oh to to go okay like this might not be the perfect opportunity to go back into the studio and work on something right now but Mm -hmm. i know if i don't then i'm missing an opportunity right you know those it's like the i remember i think it was like an escalade commercial back when tiki barber (laughs) was playing football opportunities are seldom perfect but if you're not ready they might never come oh yeah you know and that quote from that commercial always just stuck with me because it's like yeah okay like you might be waiting at waiting for it to be served up to you on a silver platter, but a lot of time it's going to come in a McDonald's bag and it's up to you what you do with the ingredients. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's true. Yeah. I never, I, you know, when I was in middle school, I Mm -hmm. remember seeing Aaron with Fred Durst, Mm -hmm. um, singing this song and I'm uh, outside. I'm on the outside. Yeah. And I never Mm -hmm. in a million years would have been like, yep. You know, when you're in your thirties, you're going to hop in his tour bus and you're going to go on tour with him and play country venues. And what was that like? (laughs) Like, what was it like hanging out with Aaron Lewis? He's great. He's, I mean, he loves to pick on me, but Mm -hmm. it's, it's all in fun. Yeah. I think, um, he's, he's good. Uh, and the whole crew is, is so accommodating. Um, to get to ride in the bus is a huge 
deal just for the transportation costs mm-hmm. or hotels or whatever yeah. alone. Um, and you get like a, it's like a first crash course in touring mm-hmm. and somebody who has numbers and leverage. And yeah. it's, the thing with him that's interesting to see is he doesn't need the business really. Right. Like he's already got his own business going. He doesn't need Nashville or radio mm-hmm. or like stuff to to play like he doesn't have to play that game yeah you know that's a beautiful point to get to it, isn't it, it? would be great <laughs> yeah. but, <laughs> but you know you get to see like like a career goal you know mm-hmm. like of that to be like you know if, if i could retire playing 1500 seat theaters that would be amazing yeah you know i don't need to be the next luke combs or mm-hmm. something like that but like if we landed there, that'd be awesome. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And for him to be able to make that pivot from hard rock, post grunge, mm-hmm. you know what? I want to do country music now. <laughs> and now I, I've, I've worked at the Grand Ole Opry. I've worked security there since I moved here. Mm-hmm. And I've seen Aaron Lewis a couple of times. Yeah. I'm like, and walking by one day, I'm like, isn't that the guy from Stained? I'm like, oh, cool. And then I remember hearing like, oh, yeah, he's doing country now. Like, It's kind of cool to see that evolution, you know? I've been bringing up on the show a lot lately, too, or in future episodes that we've already recorded, like Lady Gaga going from like this weird, quirky pop star to doing an album with Tony Bennett, you know, (laughs) like a complete like jazz standards album. Yeah. And it's, it's a beautiful point to get to, right? If you can get to that point where it's like, okay, you've made your money, you've done your thing, and now you can just pick and choose what you want to do. Right beautiful like that that's the goal that's actualization as far as i'm concerned yeah yeah it's 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 pretty cool to see um i'm lucky to be there you know mm-hmm. uh and so yeah the, the year opened up a ton of eyes on me um but you know it's it's it like you said uh, this is your opportunity i never would have thought that it would be out with with a, a former rock star right you know in a, mm-hmm. in a new country environment so I'm I'm shifting around trying to figure out if what to do. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, are these people my fans? Are they, you know, could they be? Like, could they not be? Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. You know, like it, it it's hard to say who's going to hang in there from that or not. And yeah. So, you know, he's very political. Mm-hmm. I'm not as outspoken about that stuff, mm-hmm. and so. I can't imagine they're going to my Instagram page like cool new cardigan, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's it's interesting. Yeah, but there, I mean there's always some crossover, right? Sure. You know, yeah, yeah. Some people might gravitate toward him because they grew up listening to him or because they just right. like the genre, yeah. you know, and surely, you know, there might be some crossover. People just check out the music, you know. Sure. That, you know, I find a lot of music fans use music as a way to kind of get away from all of that political oh, stuff, yeah, yeah. you know? So the people who just listen to music for music's sake, who might be just be listening to his music because, uh-huh. hey, it's Aaron Lewis and I know him and I support him. Like, sure. there's got to be some crossover there, you know, oh, just yeah. from people who enjoy the genre, just from people right. who enjoy discovering new things, right? Yeah. No, yeah, absolutely. And and I almost felt like a bit of a, a Trojan horse in a way mm-hmm. on that acoustic tour because nobody knew – who the opener was right they showed up to listen to outside and uh, and country boy or whatever the songs they love by aaron mm-hmm. and i snuck up there and got their attention for f- 30 to 45 minutes and yeah. here we are crying at the merch table it's like it i don't know it just was uh an interesting experience it, it made me feel good about what i was doing but it also i don't know it's just a little scary you're like uh 
you know, after this is over, what do you do? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, how do I, how do I top that now? Well, you know, going out uh, and, no, not even that. Just yeah. like, this was so easy. Mm-hmm. You know, it was easy to just jump in his bus and go. Yeah. And I've spent years of driving my van around and, and booking my own gigs and, mm-hmm. Um, I might still have to do that, and mm-hmm. that's that's fine. Yeah. I'd have to bartend, you know. It's mm-hmm. whatever, but yeah. like, um, it it this business is scary sometimes because yeah. the pendulum swings so hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, very much so. Uh, a good friend of mine, guy by the name of Billy Bauer, up in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. You know, they have a very very good thing going regionally up there, and he, he similar similar sentiments. You know, you can open for third eye blind in front of 2,500 people. And then the next night be at a bar and three people are there, yeah. you know, and that's just kind of the nature of the beast. Yeah. You know, another thing that kind of remind me of on the other end though, is like with each step you take, like that feels like the big thing. Yeah. You know, I remember watching the Bon Jovi documentary when we were beautiful, uh-huh. uh, right after the lost highway album and kind of documented that tour when they kind of did that country crossover album. Uh-huh. And that's what John said, like, you know, playing, you know, the small venue felt like the hugest thing. And then you go and you top that. And then you go and you play Central Park, you know, for uh-huh. free two nights during All-Star Weekend. And then it's like, okay, where do we go next? Let's find out, you know? Yeah. So I think the calling card of most artists is to find out what's next, you know? Yeah. Find out, you know, okay, like I did this. I had this wonderful experience out on the road. Where's it going to lead now? You know, it's exciting in a sense. It's terrifying, but also sure. exciting to. Well, yeah. Well, also, it's like what scares me, and I know this is like not a realistic thing, but like is to go, everybody's watching what's happening right now. Mm-hmm. So I have to follow up and yeah. like, and we have to crush every market, mm-hmm. you know? And like, it's not going to happen. Right. Like, I, it's impossible to just go in and grab every fan from every market. Right. And, and do that like you have to go back in the trench and mm-hmm. and do whatever you're doing but like but it, it's really hard to knock when you have an opportunity like that go this is it this is going to make it for me and then you're always going to be disappointed because it's it's yeah. going to be in the moment great yeah but mm-hmm. it's nothing i don't you know unless you're i don't know elton john or something it's yeah. not like you're not like yeah. catapulting yourself yeah. Yeah, there's no magic bullet. Right. Yeah, there's no magic bullet, but also no finish line. Like, you're never done. So even if something doesn't live up to your expectations or your hopes, you know, there's always something else you can do, right, Right. to to get there the next time. So I think it goes both ways. But, yeah, there is no, like, okay, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to be huge forever. Like, especially in this day and age with, you know, the short attention spans and social media and how quickly information is consumed. Sure. You always have to be thinking of that next thing. Yeah. You know, whether it's that next release to Spotify, the next mm-hmm. tour you're going to mm-hmm. get on, the next tour you're going to do yourself. Sure. You know, it's all a matter of, okay, like this was awesome. This built momentum. How do I keep that? Mm-hmm. You know, because it really is. It's really a game of momentum at this point, mm-hmm. you know, and just keeping that attention once you have it. Right. Which is very hard to do. I mean, oh, it's yeah. easier than ever to get it but harder than ever to keep it because there are so many people jockeying for that, right? Yeah, yeah. You know? So, and in every genre, I think, deals with that too, you know? Oh, like, yeah. Country's one thing, pop, hip-hop, art, like, everybody's kind of got, every genre's got their hot thing right now. Sure. You know? And that could change in a year. Oh, yeah. You know? And it's up to the artists to continue creating and reinventing themselves, I think. Yeah. And finding new ways, you know, evolving with the times. So, 
So I want to talk about tour because okay. you are, as of this recording, about to head out on the road. Yeah. As of the release of this episode, you'll already be out there starting in Alaska. Yeah. So let's talk yeah. about tour. Uh, what can we expect out there? You're going to start Alaska, go to Hawaii, and then <clears throat> south, mid- Midwest, Northeast, right? That's right, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm I'm thrilled to be going to Alaska and Hawaii. That's, uh, I don't, you know. Those are like things you don't get to do all the time. Yeah, and yeah. so when they offered the acoustic tour up again, you know, the acoustic tour went so well and it was so like, um, it just was un like nobody saw it coming. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think Aaron's people saw it coming. And when it happened and his fans like embraced it, it was like, oh yeah, do the rest of it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like we had planned it, you know? Yeah. And so this was like their chance of going, okay, Here's 20 shows on the acoustic tour. Yeah. You know, get ready and mm-hmm. we'll market it and go, um, which is a very kind thing for them to do. But, um, but yeah, I'm excited about it. It's a lot of the same, like, kind of theater vibes. Mm-hmm. Um, the vibe between playing the acoustic shows and the opening for his band was like nine days. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like uh, the acoustic thing, it was, it was like standing ovation kind of like crowd. Then, like, I remember one point we were in Cleveland. Um, it, you know, it's nothing to knock these venues. Like they're really cool, like House of Blues or something like that. But uh-huh. it's like a standing room crowd, and they're there to drink and party. Yeah. And you get up there with an acoustic guitar, and you're in your third ballad, mm-hmm. and these two women are like beating the shit out of each other in the third row. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's and you're seeing it all happen. Yeah, you're watching yeah. it in real time. You don't know what to do. Yeah. You know? Um, and so it's I'm excited about getting back to mm-hmm. those storytelling kind of rooms. Yeah. Um, and he does well in that environment. And so it'll be good. Um, we go from Hawaii to Baton Rouge, Huntsville, and we're playing the Ryman, which mm-hmm. is a big deal for me. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah, back out in the Midwest and Northeast. Mm-hmm. And then that goes through February. And then mm-hmm. there's 10 months left of this year. I 2020. Don't so. remind me. <laughs> that's, no, that's no, exactly no what I'm scared yeah. of right now. No, no pressure. But, no, we're, uh, we'll probably make another record yeah. in the next couple months mm-hmm. um, and and uh, plot and try mm-hmm. to just kind of keep moving. Mm-hmm. Figure yeah. out that next thing. Yeah. All right. Well, Ben Danaher joining us on the Quinn Spin today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, man. Absolutely. So before I let you go and before I close it out, I'm going to let you give uh, everybody a chance to find you online and learn more about you. Yeah. um, My website has all the links. It's bendanaher.com. And last name is spelled D-A-N-A-H-E-R. And then Instagram is just at bendanahermusic. Facebook is the same. Sweet. So check them out. Of course, check out the album. Still feel lucky. I feel like Conan O'Brien on, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, on, on late night TV when I'm holding it up like this. You know, like funny. About to sing us a song over there. But uh, Ben, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. This has been the Quinn Spin. Two ends in Quinn, two ends in Spin. You can find us on Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and more. I think there's a total of nine platforms you can choose from. You can also find us on Instagram at Quinn Spin Official. Facebook and Twitter as well. Of course, go to undergroundmusiccollective.com. That's our central hub for all things Quinn Spin and everything else. You can find us, of course, on all those social networks and, of course, on YouTube as well. The Mad Sugars, We Want the Night. That's our closing theme song. They're based here in Nashville. And this will get you feeling good. Go let Adam take it away.
says I should leave this all behind Can't be treading water at 25 Paychecks here, not much left over for me But I'll call up my friends and we'll hit the streets Work so long, almost forgot how to play We'll raise our voices now and no one can take them away There's no telling why 